Talk, a dental life coach webinar series where we're bringing you expert information to propel you to your next level of success. I'm your host, Chelsea Myers. And today I'm really excited about our guest. I've got Ken Kaufman with us. Ken served in CFO and president CFO roles in venture capital and private equity backed high growth organizations. His expertise has helped drive growth in those businesses up to 10 times, which I know we'd all love to experience in our businesses. And Ken is now the president and CFO of Nubia Implant Centers. Ken, welcome to the show. Thank you so much. I'm really, really glad to be here. Yeah. Now, Ken and I connected some years ago when we were each serving in DSOs, different capacities, different organizations. And Ken was kind enough to sit down with me back then and share some of his wisdom, which was one of those enlightening moments where you realize you don't know what you don't know. <laughs> and my husband and I were talking on the way home, and I remember thinking, I don't need to know what Ken knows. We just all need a Ken on our team. So I'm really excited. I couldn't be happier to have you here today and tap into some of your dental finance wisdom. And this segment, I think, comes at a particularly opportune time economically. Um, many of us were in business in 07 to 09, which, one of, which was one of the worst financial crises since the Great Depression, and we all went through 2020. And then this year, we've got inflation and other signs pointing to what economists are predicting to be another recession. So Ken is going to sit down and visit with us today and share the three most critical financial clarity tools you need to thrive during a recession. So Ken, I'll let you take it from here. Oh, great. Yeah. And we definitely want this to be interactive um, and we can talk <laughs> about things, but I'll, I'll go ahead and, and I'll jump in. Well, I'll give you an overview of the three. The first one is what's called the 90 day cash forecast. We all know cash is king. Cash is the lifeblood of the business. And we all are afraid that there might be something out there on the horizon that could cause us to not have enough cash to say, make payroll or to be able to pay rent or, you know, other or, or pay ourselves. Uh, or other critical things. And so um, I like to call it the sleep at night report because the 90 day cash forecast is broken out by week. So you can see what's happening to your cash flow on a week by week basis and just a nice simple chart or graph. And it gives you comfort about what you're going to be able to do with your cash flow for the next 13 weeks. Um, the second one is just a standard monthly financial statement. You need to be very clear about how your performance is looking on a month by month basis, especially when things are getting difficult from an economic perspective. And then that information helps inform the third tool, which is what we call a 12 month rolling forecast. And this is where we can say, where we actually do sensitivity analysis and we say, oh, if our revenue goes down by 25%, what happens and what's the impact of um, our fixed costs versus our relative um, or versus our variable costs and how all those things come together. So um, all of these three, they kind of end up functioning together, but they're absolutely the most important things that you need to have at your fingertips and you need to be constantly working with as you try to assess the impact that a recession or any other economic challenges is having on your dental practice. Yeah, that's fantastic. Because really, in reality, the ups and downs, that is part of the business cycle. And when you're thinking about a long game approach, you know, your 10 year plan, um, having something like this in place is going to really help you prepare for those ups and downs. And so can we go through each one of these? Absolutely. Um, and I'd be happy to share. I have snapshots of each one of these. Um, so we can take a quick look at them. And, and so that those listening in or those watching can actually see what it looks like and they can get an idea 
of how they would structure or put something like this together. Great. Yeah. So this is the 90 day cash flow forecast. We call this the sleep at night report because we're always worried about are we going to have enough cash to make payroll? Are we going to be okay uh, to pay ourselves and to pay our vendors and all of the obligations that we have? Cash is the lifeblood of every business. Um, and so when we're going into difficult economic times, for example, if we jump back to COVID period, as soon as COVID hit, I went straight to cash forecasting to make sure we were going to have enough cash to be able to survive and figure out how long we could survive um, until um, we would be in trouble and what what do we need to reduce so that we can make that cash last longer. So having something like this in place is extremely critical when you're, when things are going to start to get tumultuous. If you're concerned about your revenue going down or you're concerned about expenses going up, this gives you a look always. So if there's any issues or problems from a cash perspective that are coming, you're going to see them 13 weeks before they get to you. And I'll tell you, Chelsea, that the, one of the interesting things I've found being around dental entrepreneurs is they're all wickedly smart and they hire extremely smart people to work with them. And if you give them one week to solve a cash crisis, it's it's near impossible to do. But if you give them 13 weeks to solve it, they generally can get it solved and then some. And so that's why this one is so, so important and so critical. And I'll walk you through the philosophy of it. Okay. Um, and that's, that's why we have it uh, pulled up here. So <clears throat> it, you can see here, the week numbers are right across the top, nice and clean, to, easy to see the week. The actual uh, week ending um, date is put on there so that you can see it. And then there's really two main areas that you pay attention to on this. The first are your cash sources. This is capturing all of the cash that's coming in. So your third party payer uh, payments, any payments from patients, any uh, finance companies that you're working with where perhaps you're helping a patient finance costs and you're getting uh, money fronted from those or, or advanced to you from those finance companies. Any other source of cash flow that's coming in, maybe if you have loan proceeds coming in or if you've just raised some equity and so that's coming in and hitting your cash flow, so all, all of that flows right here and that ultimately tells you what are the total sources of your cash for that given week. Then you want to look at all your cash uses and you're looking at your payroll, your rents, your marketing expenses, utilities, any outgoing loan payments or capital expenditures. You're capturing all of this so that it tells you your total um, uses of cash. And then here at the bottom, the whole, whole thing we want to look and see is each week, am I producing a surplus of cash? Am I generating a surplus of cash? or am I generating a deficit of cash? Meaning I spent more cash than I brought in. And it's a variable math formula. There's nothing complicated about this. The hardest part is just about thinking about each week and when these inflows are coming and when the outflows are going to occur. But it's pretty, it's pretty fixed, right? We get the same, we have the same rent payments. Payroll is probably fairly steady and hits at the, you know, it's your regular payroll cycles that you can layer in. And really quickly, you can start to get an idea of what's going to happen to your cash flow. And again, it's your sleep at night report. You know if there's a problem coming well in advance so you can solve it. And um, I don't know, I think this one reduces a lot of anxiety, Chelsea, to be honest. 
Yeah, I like it, you know, because there are going to be some things that you can't predict, you know, you know, prices increasing, um, things of that nature. But when you have something like this, you'll at least know, like you were saying, where those gaps are, where those deficits are and how much um, you have in excess to make up for the difference as the prices tend to increase and the inflation takes place. Yep, that's exactly right. And it's a very flexible tool. Um, you, any spreadsheet, you can just put these columns and rows in place to look similar to this. And it doesn't, and, and it's just the only math incurred. Cause I have people tell me, well, I'm bad at math, Ken. I, I don't, I don't do math. This is addition and subtraction. That is all that's happening um, on this worksheet. Right. Right. Yeah. I love it. Thank you. Yeah, you bet. Um, so when, as we think about where things are going, I, the things I hear from dentists and from others in the industry are there's, there's two primary concerns. The first one is revenue is going to go down because either they think patient flow is going to decrease or they think that patients are going to be accepting less treatment because of the economic situation that we're in. And, yeah, and there, and we could jump into a lot of the micro factors there, but probably be best if we just sort of leave that summarized like that. The other part uh, that is a concern are the increasing prices. So supply costs are going up. Um, labor costs we know are going up, albeit the, the most recent trends I'm hearing is that labor costs are starting to stabilize. So they're not going up anymore, but they're they're staying flat. They're not going down. We all, that, that would be helpful in some circumstances, I know for some, but it sounds like they're leveling. And, you know, a month ago, what I was hearing was there were two jobs available for every one candidate you were interviewing in, in the market. And today I'm hearing it's back to about a one-to-one -one type of a ratio. Um, and so, and we hear about the big tech companies doing layoffs and, you know, all of these different things. I think there's going to be some normalizing. And so the labor market seems to be kind of leveling off and um, at least not, not, you know, growing at, at you know, 10, 20, 30% rates. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I know you're, you're right. And, you know, in a time like this, basically the market is on sale. So when you have a tool like this and you know, I've got this much in excess and once you've got everything, you know, you've got your savings in place, you've got your plan in place. If there is the opportunity for you to, um, make some sort of investment when that can look like a lot of things for a lot of businesses, but make an investment that for the long term will um, increase and cause you to uh, optimize that, re that realize that result. Now would be the time to start looking at those opportunities, but you really can't make an educated decision without something like this to clarify where you're at. That's right. And it's about getting visibility forward looking, right? Um, I'm going to talk about one, one tool that's super important through a recession in a, in a minute that's backward looking. But so much of running a business the right way is about having a very accurate forecast of what's going to happen in the future. And I get so much pushback when I bring this up with a dentist entrepreneur or somebody in the industry who they, they just haven't, they haven't been around it before. Like, well, Ken, I don't, I don't have a crystal ball. I don't, I don't know what's going to happen. How, how, how do we know what's going to happen? And the interesting thing is, is that once you lay the groundwork and you build out the assumption base, it's ridiculously interesting how accurate you can be about what's going to happen to you next month, or maybe even in three months or six months from now. And so the ability to forecast, it, it really does become a bit of a crystal ball and it gives you a ton of clarity. And the, what I found, Chelsea, and I, I know this is your area of expertise, so you can pick this apart for me and tell me if I'm missing something here, but 
the more clarity an entrepreneur has, they see a massive reduction in anxiety. When I am not sure what's coming in the future is where like all that anticipatory anxiety and the, the concern and, and, and those things elevate. But if I say, hey, actually, here's the most likely outcome you're going to see in the next X number of weeks or months or years, anxiety starts to go down. And then as anxiety goes down, then ability to think clearly and make great decisions and drive the business forward, all of those things go up. Yeah, I couldn't agree with you more. You know, it's one of those things where when you were saying, well, I don't have a crystal ball, I don't know what's coming. You can either not know what's coming, you can either not know all the 10 to 20 things that are coming, or you can not know the three to five things that are coming. But this right here is something that we all should know about our businesses. And mm -hmm. I love the way that you've laid it out and made it so simple for us to get a grip on that if we aren't already. Thank you. Now, and, and the interesting thing, I, I want to throw this one other thing out for those that are listening in, because I know they're always interested in what I'm doing or how I'm implementing these tools. Um, I'm just about at my three month mark for joining the Nuvia team after being six and a half years at Community Dental Partners with, you know, Emmett Scott and the, all the other amazing uh, t uh, people that are there. And the first tool of everything that I have available to me, the first thing I implemented is this, the 90 day cash flow forecast. This, it, it's just become such a critical piece of running the business and having visibility uh, in the future and the anxiety reduction and the clarity for decision making is, it's just very powerful tool. Wow, thank you. Perfect. Yeah, you bet. All right, so any questions on that before we jump to, to the next one? Let's go to the next one. I'm really excited. Okay. That may be the first time anybody, no, that's not, it wouldn't be the first time, but it, <laughs> it's not that often that somebody says, oh, Ken, please show me another one of those reports. Okay. Oh no, we've got a very captive audience. We're ready. So the next one, it comes in a combination of three and it's a general, it's a traditional monthly financial statement package. And as I, as I jump into this and start to show it to you, the, um, the things to think about here are really getting a handle on exactly what's happening in the business because the more you understand what just happened, the better you are at predicting what's going to happen in the future. And the more empowered you are to say, I don't like where that's going and what, what, what levers do I need to pull in order to drive a change so that we create a better outcome. The past has to be connected to our present which has to inform our future, which then the more informed we are, the more empowered we are to drive positive change and, and to uh, improve outcomes. Does that make right. sense so far? Yeah, yeah, it really okay. does. And actually we have a question coming in right now. Somebody's yeah. saying, do you have any tips on how to begin presenting something like this to the team? Referring, I believe, to your previous tool. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I, I would literally... It's so funny because I'm just going through this process with my new team at Nuvia and mm -hmm. we're, we're just layering this in just even before we got on this call, I was forwarding around to the other executive leaders, the, the initial format and some of the tools and the way we're going to look at certain waterfall models. And so this is so fresh in my mind. I, I love the question. Um, what I would focus on is I would focus up here at the top. The, this is designed to just be a summary where it says, okay, what's my beginning cash balance? Then what's all, what are all my dollars coming in? 
what are all my dollars going out? And then am I burning cash or am I accumulating cash? Is, is it cash generating or cash diminishing? Mm -hmm. um, you start there. And then when they say, well, why this, why this, then you've got your details down here below. Um, and you can say, this is why we've done this, we've done this. And they say, well, wait a minute, did you remember payroll? And what about, we're implementing a third payroll for commissions and we're doing this, we're doing that. You can make sure and all the details are down here, but I'd stay up at the top and keep your team very focused on, all right, guys, here's what's happening with cash. Here's the ups and downs and where we're going to be in 13 weeks from now. Perfect. Thank you. That's great. Yep. Yeah. Happy to help with that always. Okay. So on the financial statement, um, just that traditional monthly package, there should be three reports that come with it. You should have an income statement. And by the way, this is where most people stop. They forget <laughs> that there are two other pieces of the puzzle here, which in a recession or when things are getting tough economically, the next two are extremely important. But this one is where, hey, I want to see what's my, it's also called the profit and loss statement. What What's my profit? What's my EBITDA? Mm -hmm. The second one, I'll just hit each one here really quick and we can go back to details. The second one is the balance sheet. This is super important because this is where things like debt and assets show up. And these are very, very important because it all dr drives toward your statement of cash flow, which, Chelsea, if I'm being honest, if I could choose between an income statement, a balance sheet and a statement of cash flow, if I could only uh, have one, it would be the statement of cash flow because wow. cash is king. Cash mm -hmm. is like understanding where your business is um, sucking cash versus generating cash. That That's all it comes down to. And I'll, I'll just go, I need to just do one riff here really quick and I'll come back to the statement. But when you look at why a business is valued at some valuation, it all comes back to the buyer's belief of what the cash flows will be in that business over a period of time, whatever they believe their holding period is gonna be for that business. It all comes down to cash flow. The ability for a business to generate cash is its value. Everything else, doesn't matter how great your employees are, doesn't matter how great your customers or patients are, everything else goes out the window. If you can't generate cash, you're, you're not building a great business. You're not building a business that's going to have long-term sustainable value. And that's why, um, you know, there's a lot of rumbling about Twitter right now. I'm not concerned about whether they're making it or not because the CEO who's now in place, Mr. Musk, he is cutting costs so that he can get the business so that it actually generates positive cash flow because they've been burning through cash for a very long time. He understands what drives economic value and it is building an asset that that has high cash cash flow just like if you had a rental property and it was break even well who in the world is going to buy that for me <laughs> if you have a rental property that's cash flowing 20 50 dollars a year you know what people will pay and and they'll pay you know two three five times that because it's a great asset and it's going to last for a long time and they're going to make way more than what they pay um you know over time does that, does that make sense? That's that's why for me the yeah. the statement cash flow is the magic. Yeah, absolutely. It's fascinating. Keep going. Okay, so let me, I'll jump back to the income statement now because it's where most everybody wants to spend their time. 
um, and and think about because it is it, it, there's there are things here that operationally we can learn about w- what we're doing, um, but ultimately it only matters if it is going to make the cash flow statement look better. It's what are we doing right. to drive better cash? So uh, I've broken this up so that there are um, categories that we want to measure performance in. First of all, it's super important that you look at your month. And so these two columns here are focused on what did you do for the month and what is that as a percentage of net revenue? So you can look and see and understand, you know, my supplies cost are 5% and my lab fees are running 4.3%. My doctor pays at 27 or whatever it is. So you look at the month first, then you want to look at the trailing three months. T3M stands for trailing three months. You want to say, okay, what's happened there? And what's interesting is you can compare your month to the quarter, the percentages and see, am I improving? Am I getting worse? And then you can start to figure out if there are opportunities to improve. Then you're going to jump and take a look at on a year to date basis. So, you know, right now, most, most businesses were midway through November. They're closing. Most, most uh, accounting teams are closing in for October right now. And we're looking and saying, hey, the last three months, so it'd be October, September, and August. What happened in that three-month period and what's, what, what, is the, um, what is the trend? Sorry, in the year to date would be January all the way up through October to see how we've done. And then the last one is what's called trailing 12 months or TTM to say the last 12 months, the most recent 12 months where we have closed books and, and our financials are dialed in. Um, what's happened over that 12 month period or that one year period. In this case, it means it would be reaching all the way back to um, November of last year and giving us and consolidating everything so we can see it all added together from November of last year to October of this year. Mm -hmm. And these views start to, they start to illuminate trends. And uh, the one thing I will say is you can do this for each dental practice. You can organize. You need to see what's happening for each dental practice. And then you want to consolidate all of it so you can see what's happening for your business overall. Good. And so the top here starts with gross production. So you can, and it ultimately gets to net revenue. This is what did you bill or what were you expecting to get paid versus what you ended up actually getting paid? That's what the net revenue line means. And then your cost of revenue, I always refer to these as the big five when it, uh, when it comes to dental finance, doctor pay, supplies, lab fees, practice staff costs, and what are, what are referred to as occupancy costs. Occupancy costs, that's your rent, your utilities, the internet, anything that it, any cost that is required in order for you to be able to open up your doors, have the lights on, have the air conditioner working and be able to see and treat patients. So those are the big five and that gets us to a gross profit and a gross profit margin that is very important to uh, pay attention to. And then there are other expenses like your marketing and HR and if you have a centralized call center that you pay or you know things like that. <clears throat> and then uh, when you consolidate, so for your practices, you wouldn't have any of these corporate or GNA expenses. But once you consolidate and you bring any of your support team uh, costs in and, and all of those uh, related costs shows you that. And, and ultimately, it gets you down to your net income and to your EBITDA. So you can see how your overall performance is. Any questions on this one, Chelsea, or concerns, or did anything stick out to you? 
Yeah, you know, I think this is great because whether you're talking about, you know, purchasing a piece of equipment, human capital, mergers and acquisitions, it the difference between a good deal and a bad deal is whether or not um, you've got the you've got the cash to do it, right? Um, mm-hmm. So the timing becomes really important. And uh, looking at this kind of data is how we make those decisions in a way that actually accentuates our business rather than drives us into the ground. That's exactly right. It's exactly right. Um, so then I'll jump forward. Uh, the balance sheet is assets and liabilities. I probably won't spend much time here other than you want your finance leader or your accountant that's helping you with your books. You want them to know exactly what's going on here. In fact, I would say um, I, I've had multiple controllers work for me through my career. And the thing that made them wildly successful is at what they did is they would always come to me and say, Ken, okay, the books are closed. And I said, perfect, great. So what's EBITDA? Mm-hmm. And they'd say, I don't know what EBITDA is, but I can tell you the balance sheet is reconciled and everything is correct and accurate. That is exactly the mindset you want your controller in. <laughs> and then as business operators, right, then we're looking at EBITDA and then we look at cash flow and we're looking at the future and forecasting and all of those, all those kinds of things. So the balance sheet needs to be dialed in because this is what drives the accuracy of everything else. And then the st- this is the uh, statement of cash flow. Um, and I'll tell you, here's the one trick. When you look at your statement of cash flow, there's one thing that you care about, and it's what's called free cash flow. This is now this is a finance term, but again, it just involves a little bit of addition and or subtraction, and that's that's all it takes to get this done. Um, but the uh, statement of cash flow, you're looking for this line right here, which says total cash from operations. That represents how much cash you generated in that period. So you can see this business every month here is just the same. I just to get make an example, but you see the business generated $376,000 of positive cash. That's awesome. Cash generating business. We like those. Those those businesses are valuable and it also generates cash so we can invest and keep growing. Mm-hmm. Then you want to subtract all of your CapEx and, and capital expenditures are these fixed assets, any new fixed assets that you had to book onto your balance sheet. You take the 376,500 minus the 200,000. So that gives me 176,000, let's call it. That is your free cash flow. Now, the reason why free cash flow is so important is when you look at any, or when you listen to any publicly traded company that is doing an earnings report, you will hear them say free cash flow at least a dozen times. Analysts who are analyzing and making buy or hold or sell recommendations on different stocks that are publicly traded, different companies, you will hear them refer to free cash flow. Free cash flow is the ultimate measure from a finance perspective of how much cash you're generating. So it's not even what's happening on your 13 week cash forecast that matters because those are real dollars but in terms of talking to the finance people about your cash generation it's about free cash flow fcf free cash flow and all it is simple math problem cash from operations minus whatever your capital expenditures are over a period of time and that is um that, that's why this is where I go. I, this is how I think about, are we generating cash? Are we burning cash? What do we need to do to make our model more cash flow rich? Mm-hmm. Wow. Okay. I've got some homework. 
I'm sorry. You sometimes if you just turn it up, turn it over to me. I you probably need to interrupt me more so that I don't get on some of these rants. No, it's fascinating. I've got someone asking. I'm not always good at forecasting. When do I hire a CFO or even a fractional? Oh yeah, that's a that's a great question. So the interesting thing about these financial clarity tools are is that you end up needing somebody other than yourself if you're the dentist entrepreneur to do these things and the reason why my experience chelsea has been dentists are brilliant people in fact had they chose to go into finance instead of dentistry they probably would be better than me at all this stuff because they're very smart the challenge is is that they didn't and they don't have the knowledge they don't have the experience and they and so you definitely want to get support around this because you probably it just it's probably not going to be worth your time to become an expert in putting a 13 week cash flow forecast together. Mm-hmm. Um, so knowing that you definitely want to look around and there are three factors that drive when you want to start hiring a finance team around you. Other than you should absolutely get a tax CPA when you get started and have a bookkeeper that can get a QuickBooks set up and kind of start to capture some things so you can start to get some information and data. There becomes a point where it's time to graduate though from that. And there are three drivers. The first one is your complexity. So if you have a DSO structure in place, which has lots of legal entities and lots of intercompany transactions going back and forth and all those sorts of things, you need to get there sooner than later, maybe somewhere between five and 10 practices. Um, so your, your complexity, or if you don't have all that complexity and you're just cash-based, not accrual-based, and you're just kind of restating as dollars are flowing in and out of your bank account into some type of a, uh, an income statement, then you can probably hang on to that for a little while. Um, and, and stay stay with that structure. So complexity is number one. The second one is trajectory. If you are going from one practice to 20 next year, you need you need a finance leader now. You, you need at least um, a half-time CFO, if not a full-time CFO. Um, even fractional, there's no way they'll keep up with that. So, so if you're going up quickly or going down quickly, you you need more intense finance finance leadership help um and then the third one is just general overall size so say everything's kind of normal you're not too complex you're not in a a massive you know trajectory climb or decline you need to probably think about a full-time cfo around the time you hit somewhere between 15 and 30 practices uh 20 to 20 to 30 million in revenue is where you probably need to start thinking about somebody full-time. Prior to that, you want to look for uh, fractional resources um, and you can probably leverage for, you know, when you're really small, you, you can leverage off of who your tax CPA is and a few things like that. And then you can start to incrementally increase your uh, capabilities and skill sets. And in your opinion, is it important that when you start to hire for these, whether it's fractional, half-time or full-time positions that they have um, DSO experience? It helps so much to have DSO experience. Um, There aren't a lot of them out there though, uh, because the DSO industry is amazing and it's big, but there are a lot of industries that are still way bigger. And so it can be hard to find. Um, So if they don't have DSO experience, healthcare experience is usually helpful. And then the other one that's helpful is if they've been in some type of a retail or multi-location type of a business where you have, 
you know, in individual boxes or practices or stores or, you know, whatever they're referred to in each industry. Um, and going, going across, um, across, uh, the supply chain, if you think about vet, they have all the same challenges we do. And in fact, they have extra, they have extra complexity because they sell products off the shelf and they do a lot of other things like that. So I've found any, anybody with vet experience tends to transfer over well. Um, anybody that's been with a restaurant chain, you know, or those types of things can transfer over, you know, fairly well too, albeit there is a little bit of a learning curve. Great. Thank you. That's really good advice. What's next? All right. So we've covered the 90 day cash forecast. That's the number one thing. If you're going into a recession, we have to make sure uh, we see what's happening cash wise and we are prepared and we give ourselves time to solve any crisis. Um, number two is get a good clean look at your financial statements. So we went through the income statement, the balance sheet, the statement of cash flow. Now the next thing is, is to start to build out what's called your 12 month rolling forecast. This is, uh, I just, I love all of these tools. I, I'm, I'm a nerd like that, Chelsea. I'm sorry, but um, <laughs> this one, this one gets me fired up too. And the reason why is because think, think about if you're driving down the freeway and you're doing 70 miles an hour and you're in a massive storm and you lose your windshield wipers and you can't see anything hurtling 70 miles an hour in a 6,000 pound something, right? Um, that is, that is, that is scary. What I love about this is <laughs> e even though it's not going to be perfectly right, it's going to give, these are, these are your windshield wipers that, that are clearing stuff out of the way. So you've got visibility about, Hey, if I keep doing what I'm doing, this is where I'm going to end up. This is how my business is going to either grow or shrink. And it, it looks just like an income statement, to be honest. It's formatted pretty much the same. What you're doing here, though, is you're layering in what you think is going to happen this month and next month, and you go 12 months out. And the reason why it's called a 12-month forecast is because when, when month one, let's say month one is um, November, when November is done, well, now you have actuals that exist. And so you need to reach out that month 12 and you now need to put a another month there to, so that you always have 12 months that are forecasted out in this rolling forecast. So okay. every month, every month, and, and you just keep adding a month to the back end of this forecast each month. So you always have your next 12 months planned out. You finish a month, add another one on the end, finish a month, add another one on the end. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah, it does. And the, the two things that are the most helpful that you really hone in on understanding are your fixed costs and your variable costs when you, when you build this out. <clears throat> and I'll jump to the end of the story. So if I know a recession is coming and I know that, you know, there's just no way I'm going to be able to avoid a 20% reduction in my net revenue because I'm having, it's fewer patients or, you know, less accepted care by each patient or, you know, less what we call care per visit. If those things are coming, understanding your variable and fixed costs will help you see what is going to happen to the profitability and the ultimate ability for your business to, to generate positive cash flow if that 
drop occurs. And you literally, it, put, you, it becomes this sensitivity analysis where you say, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to drop revenue by 25%. Let's see what happens. Whoa, my, my profitability just got cut in half. Why is that? What's, what are the drivers of that? And as you go through and you build this out and then you put these scenarios in, it, again, anxiety goes up when we don't know and we don't have any idea what's going to happen. Anxiety goes way down and our ability to be great business leaders and to make great business decisions goes up dramatically when we have these tools so that because we've got clarity. Not perfect. Nobody knows what's going to happen in 12 months from now. But what's really funny is, is we get really, really close. Um, we, we can get really, really close and we put these um, scenarios in. So I, I've got some more on that, but any questions come up on that or thoughts? No, no, keep going and I'll let you know. Okay, great. So um, the first thing, as, as you're layering this in and we look at costs, uh, let's look, we'll start with our big five here. Uh, doctor pay. This, so the question is, are these costs fixed or are they variable? A fixed cost means if you do $100 million in revenue or zero in revenue, the cost stays the same. It doesn't go up and down. So doctor pay is interesting because some, some uh, DSOs and dental groups, they pay just a fixed salary. So if you pay a fixed salary, that's a, that's a fixed cost. If you pay everything based on production or collection and, and it's a percentage, well, then your doctor pay is variable because if you do a lot, then you're paying a lot out. And if you do none, then you're not, you end up paying none out. And then there are others that are hybrid where, Hey, we have a base guarantee plus you make X amount above a certain level of production, or your base goes away. If you break through and, you know, generate this type of production, it's what's called a greater of contract, some of contracts, greater of contracts. So um, you figure that out. And you put your, uh, this one will require a little bit more math skill, but you put a, your formula in that says, okay, if it's a fixed cost, I just, I just dropped the dollar in, but if it's a variable cost, then it's going to ratchet or change based on what's happening with my net revenue. So there's a little formula you can do in Excel that will, um, that will, um, plug that in for you. Supplies and lab fees. These are two things that are usually variable also, right? If you see zero patients, you don't have any lab fees. Right. <laughs> if you, you see a thousand patients, you're going to have a lot of lab fees um, and the same with supplies. And so these are variables. So these ones, you know, you want this to go up and down as you go through uh, the year based on whatever your projected revenue is for each month. And then uh, practice staff. Now, this is an interesting one. Again, this is where there's been a lot of pressure between hygiene, hygienists and assistants and front office folks. We've seen those wages really start to climb. Generally speaking, labor, like uh, somebody you pay hourly or you have a fixed salary to, that is a fixed cost. And, and the main reason why I say that is because a lot of times our employees are expecting hours from us. And if we don't give them the hours because they have a certain income they need to make, right. if we don't give them the hours, then we lose them. <laughs> and so that feels very fixed to me. It's not like we can go to the employees and say, hey, you're going to make half this month because we only saw half as many patients. Right, right. That's not how that's not how our employees think, and um, so practice staff is generally fixed, and our occupancy costs are usually pretty fixed because you know landlord doesn't care if you saw no patients last month. They 
they, they right. still want to get paid their rent and, and their cams and their taxes and all that stuff. So um, what happens when you go through this exercise is as you learn what your variable costs are, let's say just to make the numbers easy, your variable costs are 50%. So that means of every dollar of revenue you bring in, 50 cents is going out the door to doctors, labs, supplies, uh, maybe your marketing expenses are variable or, or whatever it is. So that means if you do $100,000 in your practice for that month, you only have 50,000 to work with. Like there's half of it that is just gone. Variable cost because of what of the revenue you did, it's gone. Your fixed costs then are left and fixed costs are referred to as operating leverage and I'll show you why. Um, but you then have to look at your fixed costs and you know, let's say that between our occupancy costs, our practice staff, our, our other you know, main fixed costs, let's say that they're $40,000 a year or 40, uh, sorry, let's say $40,000 a month. So if I go back to my model and say $100,000 of revenue and 50 cents of every dollar is gone to variable, I have $50,000 left. I have $40,000 of fixed costs. So that leaves me $10,000 of profit. Is that good, bad? I don't know. You, you, you can decide if you like that or not. But Chelsea, here's the power of the fork of this rolling forecast. Now I say, you know what? I'm going to downgrade what I think revenue is going to be to 80,000 a month. And let's see what happens. So here's what happens in the model. You have $80,000 of revenue coming in, 50% out the door. So you have $40,000 out the door to your variable costs. And then remember what I said our fixed costs are? Yeah. $40,000. We're out. You, so, so your dental practice, it'd be fair to say at, at $100,000 of revenue and only 10,000 of profit, that's, a, that's pretty lean. Um, and with just a 20% downgrade in revenue, you're, you're not making any money anymore. You're not profitable. And, and that means you're likely not generating any cash or maybe even you're burning cash in your business model. And so the power of this rolling forecast is when you get it set up, and I, I didn't put a lot of detail in here because everybody's got to sort of tweak it for their own business and how their variable and fixed costs and things work. But you just build this little tool in, and now you can do all this sensitivity analysis to say, well, if revenue goes up, if labor cost goes up, if revenue goes down, here's what's going to happen. And again, sometimes people freak out because they're afraid of numbers and they're afraid of what they might tell them. And the reality is we can't, we can't bury our heads in the sand. The more information we give ourselves, the better chance we give ourselves to solve the problems and to iterate and improve our businesses. It's just, that's why we do what we do. Um, because it's it just, because it, it's just how we think. It's how everything, we, we wake up in the morning and we're thinking about how can I improve this? How can I make this better? How can I, uh, uh, try to squeeze a little more margin out of this procedure versus this versus that. This tool gives you this look where you can say, hey, if I have a 20% downgrade in revenue because I have fewer patients and fewer patients, you know, and, and fewer are accepting the treatment of the patients that do come in, fewer accepting the treatment, I can actually see what the impact on my business is. And I can see what's going to happen and I can decide if I like it or not. And if I like it, great. If I don't like it, I can start figuring out what I need to change. Do I need to reduce fixed costs? Do I need to change my variable cost structure? Do I need to change 
you know, we could, you can, there's a whole laundry list of things we could go down um, to ultimately just give us clarity about what we should, uh, what decisions we should be making in the business. Yeah. And that's just it because I think there's a lot of stress. In fact, I was, I could almost feel the stress of some of my clients as you're going through this, because if you run that scenario and, you know, decrease your, your production by 20% and now we're down to $0 at the end of the month. Well, if we have it broken down like this at the granular level, we can really figure out, like you said, we can strategize and get very intentional about if patients don't accept as much treatment, what are we going to do? What is our plan? And you can have that plan in place. But if you just have some vague numbers in place, this is where I see people getting really aggressive and running their teams literally right out the door because they can't handle that level of chaos and stress that the leadership is, um, you know, exercising in an effort to keep a healthy and fluid business. And mm-hmm. so I think these tools are just so valuable, especially when you talk about these times of uncertainty, we can be certain about a lot is what you're saying. And yep. we should be certain a lot about these things. I I've had over the last three months, I've had so many people coming to me, whether it was it like the, the DEO sh- uh, shark event, swimming with the sharks event, or just all of these different places. And they're all asking me, can, can I afford to, to pay that hygienist $60 an hour? I used to only pay them X and their wages have gone up and everything else. And my answer always is, it depends on what you want your profit to be. Um, like literally you got to take that information, you plug it into this model and look and see what impact it has. And you decide if that's acceptable or not for your business. And if you don't like it, then yeah, don't pay it. If, if, if that's not acceptable to you or, you know, look around and find other solutions or be willing to pay it, but realize you're going to have to, you know, cut in some other areas or make some changes um, in order to get yourself there. Um, it it kind of goes back to one of our favorite sayings. If you've seen one DSO, you've seen one DSO. And it's because everybody's unique in what their goals are and what they're trying to accomplish. And for some people, they'd, they'd be comfortable running thin margins. Others, it's that's not where they want to be. Um, so it's it's a really, anyways, it's it's fascinating. It's interesting. And I, a lot of people are really worried and stressed. And I'm telling you, if you just do the numbers and you get the clarity, then the, the, the answers come quickly and the solutions come quickly. Yeah, to me, it's like the different, you know, when you go somewhere new and you're, it's the difference between just having a map to get there and then having landmarks along the way so that you know, oh, okay, I'm actually where I'm supposed to be. I expected this to happen. I don't like this road, but I knew that I was going to approach it. And so this is really great. I've got someone saying, Ken, this is so helpful. I have a renewed commitment to do this monthly. My issue has always been being disciplined to do it. Is is it best to start at the beginning of a given month or quarter, or should I just plan to go forward in January? What's best? Um, so I, I don't know all the details of the situation, but I'm assuming that they've got access to their historical records of some sort. I would, I would go back at least to the middle of the year and, and get a baseline for what's been happening and what your trend has been. Cause the challenge is if you say, you know, I'm going to start from right here moving forward. You don't have very much, you don't, you don't have very, you have very few inputs to inform yourself about projecting to the future. So the further you can look back, the more informed you are about what the future is going to look like. Now, I'm not trying to sign you up for that homework assignment where the teacher gave you all that busy work and you were frustrated and, and <laughs> stayed up till midnight doing it and, and all those different things. Uh, but the, the more data you can get, 
the better off you're going to be. And if you wait till January and start clean and fresh, that's fine. But just know that you're going to be super blind for the first few months because you are totally making up what your forecast is. You have no validated assumptions whatsoever. And, and you know what? After three months, you'll start getting really good at it. So it's it's not horrible. And if you feel like you've got enough cash in the bank and you don't need to stress too much about anything, you could absolutely uh, do it that way. And uh, you'll learn a lot and it'll take you a quarter or two and then you'll be in a really nice rhythm. And and again, I'd, I'd warn you, if, if you're a dentist or if you've got a million other things, if you're an operator in a dental practice or dental group, um, you, you may want to just get some outside help with this. And um, there are actually contract firms, augmentation firms that will come in and build a 13 week cash flow forecast for you. And they'll go look at all your old data and, and they'll update it every week for you um, and, and those sorts of things. So you're, you're not alone, but if, if you really want to dig in and do it yourself, then I'd say go backward first and then go forward. Great. Is this something that you could potentially ask your bookkeeper or your accountant to do these things? Like here's the, <laughs> here's the blueprint here's what I'd like, or is this something that somebody needs Absolutely. to that's what this is designed for. Hand it to them and say, okay, do this. Now, what you have to remember is, um, and I've seen, I see this in dental almost more than any other industry. We, we tend to put titles on people and things where what, what really matters is what is their real skill set and what really can they do? I've seen people hire a bookkeeper and say, oh, you know, that's my CFO. Well, you know, CFO usually has 10 years of experience and, you know, you go down the list. And, and so the thing to, to understand and think about is, is should I have my bookkeeper do this or my accountant or this or this? You just have to evaluate what is their skill set? What are they really good at? What are they not good at? And um, and then you can put this in front of them and, and have them accomplish it. But a bookkeeper is going to struggle with something like this because, here, here's just a quick principle, Chelsea, I'll give you and give the listener to think about. Accounting, accountants are backward looking people. They're constantly telling you what happened. In fact, Chelsea, have you ever gone to your tax CPA at the end of the year and they say, oh, you should have done this and this and this and this, and you would have been able to save this much more in taxes. Yes. Yes. We just had that conversation on the webinar last week, actually <laughs> trying to help a lot of people avoid those conversations. So this is the nature of people who are in accounting. They are backward looking. They're not good at, th at looking forward. So they're really good at, build, at putting together your monthly financial statements because those are historical. That's historical information. But a 13 week cash forecast that requires them to look forward. Some some can do it. And I if, if you I would encourage you to let them try, especially if they have the energy or they want to learn. I, I, I wouldn't encourage stifling it, but you just have to realize that it's hard for people who are constantly living in the past to think about and to project out toward the future. It's very hard. Um, it's very hard to do. It's a, it's a massive switch task from, it's sort of like here, I want you to sit here and just push this key on your keyboard all day long to, all right, I want you to come up with the next $500 million company and you know how we're going to build it. It, uh -huh. it, that's what that that's what that switch task feels like to them. So you need to find and work with people who are used to forecasting, looking into the future to help to help you build these these things. Great, great, thank you. Well, gosh, this has been so helpful, Ken. I know that you have a book. Talk to me about your book that you you have launching. Oh, this is fun. Um, our book officially launches on November 29th. 
this is definitely feels like a labor of love in many respects because just a lot of time and effort put into it. Um, it's a really fun story though, Chelsea. Um, let's see. Oh, there you are. And you know what? I can stop sharing now. Should I stop sharing? It's up to you. Sure. Okay. So, um, what, what I've, um, so, so here's how it got started. I used to do consulting back in sort of the 2006 to 2010, um, uh, th those years. <clears throat> and as I was doing that, I worked with hundreds of different businesses and entrepreneurs. And I was, I was literally doing like fractional CFO consulting. I'd have usually 12 clients at a time. And then within my firm, at some point, I think we had over a hundred, hundred clients, right. That we were working with and helping in some function and the ability to see what was going on and what the core, what the common problems were. It was, it was amazing. And so that's where these ideas about these financial clarity tools first started. And I said, Whoa, I know how to, we, if we do this and this, and if we take this tool that the industry uses and we tweak it like this, here's how it'll solve here. And Oh, when I get to dental, I then started to realize if we tweak these things just a little bit more in these ways, this will fit perfectly for anybody who's trying to um, create a dental group mm -hmm. and, or a group of dental practices. And so that was the impetus um, to get going and the tools I implemented at, at uh, the Nomad business and CDP and now at Nuvia. And I have been asked so many times because I, I speak at events regularly. I know you're out there too, engaging, you know, in, in the community, in the industry. And I appreciate all of your contributions, Chelsea, to it. I just, I love dental. It's so amazing, right? Because everybody's helping each other. Um, but I've started to, I got, I just got to a place where I said, I just need to write all this down. I need to create the guidebook or the handbook that a dentist entrepreneur could consume and then they could take it and hand it to whoever their finance person is and say, now go do all that stuff in that book, rather than me having to sit down and, and explain and you know go through over and over. And there's, there was one problem though, when I got into the process, um, the book was dry, it was boring. There was a bunch of charts and graphs and all those kinds of things. And so I realized, and, and I'm a, I'm a reader of business books. I'm sure you are too. Um, the Patrick Lencioni style really always stood out to me because you're sort of watching a real life story and they're actually implementing the principles. So I went to my daughter, Ashley, who's kind of a buddy novelist. She's an English major in college. And I said, would you be willing to work on this book with me? And what I'd like to do is I want you to create a fictional, but very realistic character of a dentist entrepreneur who's on their journey. I'll tell you all the problems they have because that's all I see and hear about. I'll tell you about all the problems that she's going to have. And I'll also tell you what financial clarity tools she needs to help solve which problems. Will you write a really awesome story so that the readers can follow her journey and then let me interject in the middle of each chapter with all my technical nerdy content about here's what you do to fix it. And then we jump back to her story and we continue to watch her journey as she's trying to build a dental group. And she looked at me at first like I was crazy, which she should have. She was totally deserved. Uh, but with some coercing and, and uh, possibly aggressive salesmanship, um, <laughs> I finally got her over the line. And it's just it's been such a fun project for us to work on. We started it in 20. 
the year before COVID. We started in 2019 to do it. And then we sort of fell off. We didn't get on a, we weren't on a good cadence and then COVID hit. And the beginning of this year, we said, we are going to knock this thing out. Let's do it. And so January 1st, literally, that was the New Year's resolution. And we've just been we been cranking all year long to get all of this put together, Get ultimately get the book written. My daughter is the author of all of the realistic fiction content. And I'm the author of all of the technical and, uh, you know, technical content and the how-to content. And um, it's... It's just, it's been so much fun. And I, I'm excited to have the, this book done because I think it's going to help a lot of people and it's going to empower a lot of people to take these tools and implement them inside their organizations and give them the clarity they need. And ultimately, I, I think when, when somebody buys the book, I'd say that is going to be your number one anxiety slayer so long as you are an entrepreneur, because it has the tools in there you need to give you the clarity that'll slay that anxiety and, and help you build and grow the business. Yeah, so exciting. And I love that you did that with Ashley. She's, uh, I've got to talk to her over the last couple of weeks. She's really fantastic. And I actually feel pretty privileged to have a copy of the book myself, which I've already started reading. I find it very enjoyable and I know everyone will too. So tell me the title of the book and how we can find it. Uh, so the book is Financial Secrets to Grow Dental Organizations. Okay. Um, it will be on Amazon uh, on the 29th is when it goes live uh, of this month. So that's uh, November 29th. Um, and it will be available in Kindle, hardback and paperback to start. And then it will be available on ebook, I think probably by the end of December. Okay. And did I see that you're going to do audio? Are you going to do an audio version of it? Yeah. The audio book. Yep. That, that's great. And are you doing the audio for it? So I resisted on this. So we're, we're using professional talent that actually okay. knows what they're doing. Um, but uh, Ashley and I decided that what we're going to do is we're going to do a little five to 10 minute riff between each chapter. So as oh, each chapter you. ends, we're going to come on and we're going to give some insight about how we came up with the storyline about the prior chapter and then set the table for the upcoming chapter and give them, give the readers or the, the listeners in this case, some tips to, Hey, look for when this happens to Julia, be thinking about this or, or, uh, we'll follow up with this on the, on the next chapter. So I love that. I read a book or I listened to a book like that, the who, not how book Dan Sullivan. And you got to hear the little, um, input between each chapter. I found that fascinating. I love that approach. That I'll is what gave me the idea audio as well. Yeah. yeah oh, that, that's what gave me the idea actually uh -huh. that book. Uh-huh. Yeah. It's a great book. It was one of those books where you're just like, this is so simple, but why am I not doing it? <laughs> Very yeah, good. Well, I'm excited true. for that. I'll have to catch your audio version. Yeah, thank you. It'll be it'll be a lot of fun. It's been like I said, it's a labor of love, and you know, dentistry is such an amazing industry. It's given me so much, and I feel like this is my opportunity to give back and try to and try to help. I love that, Ken. Well, thank you so much. This has been really, really exciting to me. And I'm like you. I love to nerd out nerd out on spreadsheets, and so this has been very exciting to me. Um, this past week, one of the, one of the webinars that I've been doing with our clients is, um, the competencies of highly effective leaders and four of the six are actually EQ components. And the first one that we hit on is inner drive and that you perfectly have defined that inner drive, wanting data, going after challenges, wanting foresight, wanting to know where you're at, where you're going, what's the gap, all of the things that you were talking about today, I know will really resonate with our listeners and audience. And I really appreciate you taking the time to come on. Awesome. Great. Well, it's been my pleasure. Thank you so much. Thanks, Ken. Have a good day. You too.